0: Good morning, everybody. Once again, it's good to meet the presence of God. Now let's get ready and open our hearts before the Lord for the ministry of the Word of God. This is powerful. We've been on a series of Revelation, and man, uh, my heart is burning. <laughs> let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, once again, we surrender ourselves, we open our hearts, and in all humility, we, we, uh, we are determined to submit ourselves to your truth because it is the only thing that will set us free. Therefore, we ask you that you pour out your Spirit into our hearts, that, Lord, your truth will touch everything that we are, Lord Jesus, every fiber of our being, spirit, soul, and body, Lord Jesus, because we want to be people accurately represent who you are and your truth. Teach us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay, let's go to... The book of Revelation, chapter 10, this time. Chapter 10. We're going to start from verse 1. Let's read it. Revelation 10, verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he said it his right foot on the sea and left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven th- thunders had sounded, I was about to write, this is John speaking, what I heard, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up. No, but seal, up. don't write what you have. What the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. Verse 7 but that in the days of the trumpet call in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel so that the mystery of God will be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets and verse 8 then the voice that i heard from heaven spoke to me again saying Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. When I read that, I thought, gee, even heaven... Served Chinese cuisine here, sweet and, you know, sweet and sour, you know, Chinese food. <laughs> and uh, then I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made sour. Now listen to this, verse 11. And I was told, you must again Prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Whoa. <laughs> I can feel the scripture here. So let's just introduce them. This is like the 17th sermon, I think, <laughs> from the book of Revelation. And from the beginning, we talk about the book of Revelation. It's about the revelation of Jesus and the triumph of the church. So there are the two main themes, all right? But there's another theme which I would call sub-theme, which is the judgment of God on earth, okay? And the reason for it being the sub-theme, even though this theme of judgment takes pretty much 60% of the whole book of Revelation. I call it sub-theme because even the judgment of God reflects who God really is. Reflects the character of God and describes the character of God in that His judgment is not vindictive but redemptive. Mm. Mm. Okay? Let, Let me say that again. The judgment of God If you don't get anything else, it's redemptive, not vindictive. All right? And before going further into this discussion of judgment in in this book of Revelation, we need to answer the question, okay, that so many people ask, you know, I've seen in, in various ways people ask this question, which is, how could God be loving and at the same time be wrathful? You know, at the same time be wrathful. For a question, from human perspective, that is, God is loving and wrathful. First, we need to understand, okay, that the Almighty God is all love, just and holy. Okay, the this descriptions and characteristic of God who is love, just and holy. They are inseparable. The, it means that whatever our human understanding of what love is, the scripture shows that God doesn't express his love at the expense of, but in the context of his righteousness and his holiness. Mm-hmm. All right. He, he doesn't express his love at the expense of, but in the context of his righteousness and holiness. Now, to further answer the, about this question, we need to look what the scripture, which is a scripture, is the revelation of God. What the, the authority of the revelation of who God is. What the scripture says about the love of God. Okay, let's just, for example, you know, we always talk about the gospel. You know, the, the gospel, and uh, anybody who who have some sort of understanding of what Christianity is all about would say that the gospel is the good news about the love of God. That is true. But I want to point you to the scripture, what Paul says about the gospel, okay? Let's read what Paul says about this gospel. The famous uh, statement of Paul about this gospel in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul made a statement And this statement is, he said, he began with this this saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. (laughs) I love that. Why? And he said in the following verse, he said, Because in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Verse 17. Now, it is interesting. He didn't say that in the gospel, the love of God is revealed, but he said the righteousness of God is revealed. But here's the point though, when you read the whole of the book of Romans, we will will discover that the overall theme of the book of Romans is God's righteousness, okay? And it is within the context of this righteousness, God's righteousness and His holiness, that He displays His love and forgiveness, So in expressing his love, he took upon himself the punishment in our state, in in our state. Instead of us, he took that punishment, okay, through, obviously, through the death of his son. And this is how Paul explains it, you know, he goes, as you go further into chapter 3, I'm just just quickly about God's righteousness and love, how it works together, in chapter 3 where in verse 25 to 26 where paul said this is how god demonstrate demonstrate his love th- through his right in the context of his righteousness he said he did it by putting jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood propitiation is a word where you do something you bring a sacrifice to appease a deity that's the uh, the greek word for is is that pretty much there." The, uh, the, the meaning of, of the word is that So, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was, now listen to this, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, that's, that's another big word there, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in jesus now that word forbearance i looked at uh, uh, the meaning of it in the context of law it is the action of refraining from exercising a legal right especially enforcing the payment of a debt that's what what it means so he's what his he's my conclusion is God forgives at his own expense. So once again, he doesn't express his love at the expense of, but in the context of his righteousness and holiness. May I add, add, neither does God execute his justice, justice at the expense of his love you can't separate those things all right so before going further in, into uh, revelation let's uh let's just uh I'm going to say a word of of caution here when you read the book of Re- revelation we will read all this all this crazy things that there that are happening in the world the cosmic disruption in the revelation as God's judgment okay but when you read that this is my word of caution in, in that you, we cannot then take that and, and, and we should not and cannot be led by in believing that every natural disaster like fire, drought and flood and all those things in the world that is happening now or in the future is the result of God's judgment for a, a particular sin. It's not The reason why, because let me, let me explain this the cycle of disorder in creation happened the day Abraham and Eve fell from sin, into sin it happened then the cycle then happened in that way, so what began as in Genesis chapter 1 where it says God saw all that he has made and it was very good in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 after the sin it it became to curse is the ground because of you Adam Chapter three, verse seventeen. All that, yet with the, as I read the the uh, the, uh, the book of Revelation, God did that with the anticip- anticipation of the new heaven and new earth, in Revelation chapter twenty one, verse one. So uh, that's the biblical antip- anticipation of the creation. All right. So let's go back to Revelation. The judgment in Revelation is presented in a three-part series of sevenfold visions, okay, vision, okay, three-part series of a sevenfold vision, known as the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, okay. Now, s- scholars, uh, I just want to s- repeat what I said last, uh, last time I spoke. Scholars claim that it is questionable to read the judgment expressed in in the opening of the seals, trumpets, and balls, as a chronological map of history before the end. But rather they 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 are probably probably images of the kinds of judgment that character- characterized at that time, the time of the, the book was written, arranged arranged in the sequence in which John saw them. In other words, when you see the writing of John, he repeatedly said, after this, after this. Now that statement doesn't mean, after this thing happened, then this will happen. What he's saying is, it's all a bunch of visions that he saw. After I saw that, then I saw that. And after I saw that, then I saw that, okay? So that's, and all the judgments that are that written happened at that time in history And they are pictured and illustrated with the ultimate end time as the backdrop. So, you know, the purpose is to give the church at that time the ultimate hope and ultimate future, hope for the future. Like I said, the best way of looking for all these prophetic images is like, you know, the seals, trumpets and bowls. It's like driving on a country road and seeing various scenes in the mountains and and the forests in the distance, where in the distance they look like they're standing right next to to each other, and yet when you drive, when you arrive at at that spot, you can see that those mountains are actually miles apart, so that's pretty much how you, you know, that's the imagery that, that is presented in the book of Revelation. So uh, so all these, these things presented for that time with the ultimate end time as the backdrop, you know. So uh, some of the scholars' uh, perspectives then, the, the, you know, the, I'm going to present three of them here. One said, this means that the visions of seals, trumpets, and bowls is just a way of showing intensification of divine wrath. And another scholar would say, one series telescoping to the next. In other words, the seals summarize what is unfold in the Trumpet series, and so on. And also another, another scholar said division circles offer different theological perspective on the same situation. Anyway, let's go back to our passage, okay? Last time I spoke, we, we tackled the, uh, the interlude that occurs between the 6th seal and the 7th seal, which talks about what John heard about the 144,000 people of the tribes of Israel and the innumerable multitudes that he saw, okay? You can listen to that uh, if you want to know more about it. But this morning... Our passage is in the context of the trumpet judgment. So last week was in the context of the seal's judgment, now the trumpet's judgment. And to be more specific, our passage also is part of the interlude of this trumpet judgment, the interlude between the sixth to the seventh trumpet. Okay, the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And the passages that we read before, now verse one and verse three, it's recorded where John John heard or John saw the heavenly being. You know the description, obviously, the, the, of the heavenly being, similar to what he saw uh, in in chapter one. However, it's it's not Jesus. It it seems to to be to present a powerful angel, whose Whose foot is one on, on on the earth and one on the sea? Can you imagine, can you imagine how tall this angel is? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then not only what he saw, but also he heard heavenly voice, voices from heaven, the roaring uh, voice of a roaring lion, and roaring thunders in uh, in verse three and verse four. And then. The, the other voice is a, a voice from heaven forbidding John from from writing what he heard, and the voice said, "Seal up, don't don't write what you what you heard." And I asked the question, "Why you know why is that you know no one no one has the answer." No scholar comments about that, but uh, my but my uh, my conclusion is this: the reason God wanted wanted uh, this voice from heaven wanted. John to seal up, not to write down what he heard, because God wanted to focus John on the next thing, which is to eat the scroll that was held by the angel, in verse mm-hmm. eight to ten. So it's like, forget that. This is what I want you to do: eat that. All right. Mm. So now in verse eleven here. As I read this, this thing, it's, it's obvious that the purpose of eating the scroll is so that John could prophesy, if you read the, the, the uh, verse 11 here. Now, I was reading that before I even, obviously, when you read the Bible, you, you almost connect one one yeah. thing, like, you know, this is where cross-reference you. Yeah. As I read this thing, what how God told John to eat the scroll, it took me back to another prophet in the Old Testament called Ezekiel where God told Ezekiel exactly the same thing, pretty much word for word, which is Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 1 where the commission given to, to, to Ezekiel let's read, read this, Right, it's in uh, Ezekiel chapter 3 verse, we begin from chapter uh, in chapter 3 begin from verse 1 it says here and he said to me, this is Ezekiel say, uh, speaking or writing, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. Okay? Listen to this. The imagery of the command given to both John and Ezekiel is is this, to eat the scroll and immediately speak and prophesy to the people. Okay? Okay? The message is very clear: eat the scroll and speak, or prophesy, or testify, or declare. So my thing is this: my my my. As I read this, and I thought, wow, the urgency of their job was to proclaim nothing else but the word of God. The message is very clear here. It's like they were commanded. Okay, it is urgent. They were commanded to proclaim nothing else but the content of the scroll, which is the word of God, to the people. And I believe, but you know, for Christians to be effective witness, proclaimer, and whatever you call it—prophesy or declare—we need to have a good diet of the word of God. Mm-hmm. The word of God needs to be part of us and in us. Yeah. You can say all kinds of, we can say all kinds of things, but unless we preach, speak what is in us, mm. which is the word of God, nothing's going to happen. Okay?
1: Mm.
0: Now, here's the thing. The difference of the commissions between between these two is that Ezekiel was commanded to speak the, to the to the children of Israel, the apostate nation. But John was told to speak to many people's nations, languages, and kings. Why? Because obviously it's a new era after the death of Jesus. Now God's God's, God's salvation is extended to all people, Mm. every nation. All right. I believe this is the commandment of God, okay? Huh, here's the thing. Another thing is, it's worth noting, in Ezekiel's case, okay, that his other immediate task after eating the scroll, when you read in the, within that same chapter, his other immediate task after eating the scroll was to be a watchman. With the purpose, now, the job for that watchman was to warn a wicked man of the coming judgment of God so as to give that person an opportunity to repent. A failure, now, if you read that Ezekiel chapter 3 about being a watchman here, and it says there, pretty much, a failure of a watchman to give warning would mean that the man that man, to be warned would die in his sin yet God would hold the watchman accountable for the weak, weakest man's blood mm-hmm. that's pretty yeah. severe isn't it yeah. that's our job <laughs> so this passage that we read okay that what John wrote concerning Ezekiel, what John wrote which which actually alluding to to uh to Ezekiel's commission the implication is that John sees himself in the context of the judgment against the world as a prophet like Ezekiel and whose task is to warn the people. He saw him in the same place. And this point is is clearer when we understand that the purpose of the two interludes, this is like, like going back to the interludes that in in what we're reading here, this this idea of the urgency of us being a watchman and to warn the people is so crucial and it's clear when we understand that the purpose of the two interludes, the way they were placed in, in the scripture, in the writing here, the way it is structured, how John structured his writing, and seeing how they are placed between the sixth to the seventh seal and the, the the sixth and the seventh trumpet, we can see how important this the function or the role of the the interludes. How it presents the heart of God of people and our task as God's representation. Okay, let's look at the purpose purpose of the interludes and. These interludes exist in both the seals and the trumpets, all right? So let's talk about the seals. The, the judgment depicted in the seals are, you know, obviously, four horses, four riders, you know, four horse riders, the four seals, and then the cry of the blood, the, the martyrs in the fifth seal, and then the story of kings and princes and, and the rich and the generals and all the mighty and every slave and free man and all those things. All those people were crying. Asking—that's the sixth seal. They were crying for the mountain to fall upon them to hide them from the wrath of God and the wrath of the 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 the, uh, the Lamb of God. You know, like judgment came upon the world. So after that, that was the sixth sixth seal. After that was supposed to be the seventh seal, but the the connection between sixth and the seventh was interrupted by this interlude that we preach about a few you know, a couple of weeks ago. And the purpose and the content of, of that interlude was people standing, multitude standing before the presence of God. Mm. What God is saying is in the midst of judgment, I want to present my heart for the people. It's almost like God, God is not, pre, pre, God is like do, mm-hmm. having this agenda of judging the people, you know, seal number one seal number two and then and then god said about no, i need to show them what my purpose is my heart is to see multitudes of people to stand before my throne it was like god said i have to interrupt that that i have to break my agenda and present this all right so <laughs> this is that's when i i, I, I love just reading this as i said you learn the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Mm. So let's let's move on. Let's keep going. So when God presented, now here's the thing. Okay, this is this is important for us to know. When all the judgment happened from one first to the sixth seal, and it says that the, in the sixth seal. People cried for the mountain to to pour on them to hide them from the wrath of God and, and the Lamb of God. Now the question is, did they repent? No, they didn't, according to what I read. Yeah, they didn't. And the next thing is with the with the trumpet, okay? In the trumpet, in all the six trumpets, the first six trumpets. There were cosmic chaos and all the crazy things that were happening, in, you know, and demonic armies roaming the, the, the earth. And guess what? When you read in chapter 9, verse 20 to 21, people still didn't repent. That's when the interlude came in chapter 10. This is the nature of God. Okay, as we as we read about the five uh, the, the fifth trumpet, it says, God allowed the unsealed people who worship demonic powers to be tormented. You know, this is in chapter ten, verse five, to be tormented by the by those powers. At the same time, God does not allow demonic powers to uh, the free reign. As a matter of fact, He gave a limitation. They can inflict the pain on the people, but are not permitted to kill them, and they can operate only for a specified time, and in that chapter 9, verse 5, only for five months, okay? It is, when I read that, it's like there is a divine restraint on God's part which allows the ungodly to live on for as long as they do with the possibility of maybe at some point they might repent, And once again, God at that point breaks the series of judgment. I believe first to awaken the wicked. Maybe they might repent because the judgment of God is just that, to awaken the wicked. Yeah. Maybe it's, if they'll live long enough, they might just repent. But according to, to the uh The story that I read up to that point they didn't. So guess what? The other group of people that God wants to awaken is his people. Yeah. To do what? To testify. That's why he gave that vision to John. He said, eat the scroll and prophesy. (sighs) Mm -hmm. And declare. And testify because these people while they were suffering at best they were just screaming people who don't know God don't know how to t- run to God mm-hmm. this is the thing yeah. people who are lost don't know how to run to God you and I need to lead them yeah. the church awesome. is the one that actually need to lead them that's why God in, in this judgment, God interrupted now. First he showed his purpose, but now he he interrupted in a bit of seal, he showed his purpose. This is what I want to see people coming before my throne. But now he actually, more specific, right to the church. As a matter of fact, chapter 9, 10, and 11 is is it begins with John and then the two witnesses. We talk about that next week, the two witnesses. And then, you know, chapter 11, pretty much the whole church. It's all about God. That's the whole interlude, pretty much. <laughs> We're just touching on the beginning of the interlude. The interlude of between the uh, 6th trumpet to the 7th trumpet is chapter uh, 10, 11, and 12. Cool. That's Why? Because God wants so much the church to actually take the burden. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case John saw him his him being commissioned identical to that of Ezekiel when he was commissioned by God. What to do what? To warn the people. And I'm sorry, this is this is supposed to be a good news, but yeah, good news with the warning. According to the Ezekiel thing, if you don't warn the people, people die in their sin. God said to Ezekiel, their blood will be on you. Now, once again, the way to be to be to be to be a, a, a powerful witness is that we have to just from the from the picture, eat the scroll. We need to eat the word of God. We need to digest the word of God. Now here's the thing it's the word of God is like you know, it's nice in your in, in our tongue, but it's hard to digest. Because it has to be part of our life. Like it takes a lot harder for it to come. Wow. That's why people are lazy in reading the word of God. Because they are not willing to wow. submit to the truth of the word of God. Because it is sour in our stomach. Wow. Wow. Man, <laughs> come on guys. It's time now. There's no other time. Now is the time for Christians to be committed. Rather than listening or reading from some whatever. uh What do you call uh multimedia and some crazy social media, yeah, sorry (laughs) social media and some crazy preachers and they give their opinion, sometimes I don't even know whether they read their Bibles you know, like
1: Mm.
0: come on, we need to take it personally eat the word of God and speak the word of God yeah So God broke the cycle of judgment just to awaken people. The sinners so they, they might repent and the Christians that we might testify. So we can see in my conclusion here. You can, can get ready here. The nature of God is displayed in judgment in that even while having his agenda he interrupted himself with this revelation of what he wants to see ultimately people standing before his throne and what he wants to see his people standing and give warning to the people God wants to partner two things that we can partner with God from the start of the book of Revelation until now two ways how God partnered with with us, his people prayer and witnessing these two are inseparable why? because prayer is where the power is all right you try to witness with without prayer It's like, like carrying a gun With a uh, unloaded gun There's nothing in it It's just clicking, clicking, clicking It's just clicking noise There's no power But let me say this If you just pray now, When I say witness I'm talking about Sometimes it's not our word It's our kindness It's our how we respond How we in the situation Our life Because like I said The word of God needs to be part of of us and in us. So everything about us speaks the word of God. Sometimes words, sometimes our action. People can see us like, wow, there's something different about you. I don't know, I don't understand what you believe, but I like what I'm seeing. That's how it's supposed to be. Alright? So here's the thing. Witnessing and prophesying without prayer it's like having a gun without bullets unloaded gun all we have all we have is just clicking noise but let me say this prayer without witnessing is like having a gun but you never click the trigger you have all the power fully loaded but you didn't you didn't pull the trigger I want to say this. This is where I'm excited about prayer tower. Mm. I can feel the power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can feel the power. Yeah. So while I'm speaking on this, I'll tell you what. It's almost like when you are so filled with the power of God, the word of God, it'll come out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So pray. Say, pray. But I, I, I've been. <laughs> listen, when you study, when you read, you do, you do your research, it's exhausting. What you, but the last few weeks, I can't even. I was in the prayer towers, like, I, I was saying, saying to Calvin, I had to go upstairs to write things down. But I thought, man, I just want to be in the presence of God. It's like, yeah. It, it has to be that. Come on, guys. I believe God is moving.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: We are not gonna scream about our freedom and fight for our freedom. Is God given right freedom? No, no. Yeah, God. We have God given right freedom. It's within. Yeah. Not up there. Yeah. It's not because somebody created a safe system for us that we are free. No. If the sun says free, we are free indeed. Yeah. Okay. And that freedom comes from the presence of God. So let's yeah. do it. And the freedom also comes from a healthy diet. Yeah. The word of God. Eat the scroll. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then Woo. prophesy. Woo. So, so God interrupted. Why? Because he wants to prepare the church to be a witness. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. Come on, guys. Sing. Sing. Yeah. can see the sign of the time. Yes, stand. Lord. Lord, I pray for your church, especially in Melbourne life, Lord, specifically yes, people in Melbourne life. Whether there's going to be lockdown, anything, any, whatever, shutdown, lockdown, it doesn't matter, Lord. We want our soul to be awakened. Yes, Lord. I pray, Lord, just like your word says, Lord, that we are a chosen generation, yes, royal Jesus. priesthood. Yes, Jesus. Chosen by you so that we may declare your excellency. Yes. yes. Lord. Yes, we may declare. Lord, make us effective declarers. Yes, and I pray, Father, yes. you will awaken our souls. Yes, all member life of us, Lord, in this case, in this context. Yes. Lord, prayer tower, Lord. It's not a system, it's not a, it's, it's your presence, Lord Jesus. Yes, yes. Lord, the people will get stirred up, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes Jesus. To be in your presence, Lord. Yes, Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. Thank In you, Jesus' name. Blessing. Yes, Awaken. Yes, Lord. Yes, Awake Lord. my soul. Blessing that's that, that wide here. Yes, Lord. Ezekiel towards us further down you, you, you saying by, by <laughs> coming alive yeah ultimately in, in uh, Ezekiel speaking to the children of Israel then there's as, as, as a point where God told Ezekiel to prophesy to the dry bones. yeah you hit that when you say yeah. it's like that thing that came, the scripture came to me yeah it' was like so I want Carmen like to, to the cell group leaders. I believe this is a prophetic moment. Mm. To, yeah. to the right group leaders, the, that scripture, you know, like Ezekiel 30, 37, whatever yeah, that yeah. was, there, is, yeah, is yes, thirty-seven. It's uh we, we need to be included in the sermon. in the discussion. It. It's like I think God is speaking. Yeah. It's like ultimately, it's like we're in in the prayer tower. We're gonna like prophesy. Yeah, life yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Through the dry bones. Yeah. It's like. Because that scenario gives gives a, a picture of creation. You know how the sinews yeah. and the muscles come together. Yeah. But he was still a dead man.
1: Yeah.
0: It was almost like the, the history of the story of the creation of Adam. Yeah. But the difference between creation creation of Adam and the time of Ezekiel, God did it all in creation. But in the time of Ezekiel, God withdrew and He said, "You do it."
1: Yeah.
0: So I believe there's a pro- prophetic woman well, now. God said God said to, to to us from this thing I believe yeah. Yeah. God sort of held back. That's why the interlude is God said, no, 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 I'm gonna hold back you church. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: He's
0: been waiting for us. Yeah, yeah. You church. You step ahead. Yeah. Just like in Ezekiel. God could have done it to bring life into the into the, because God yeah. breathed right in, yeah. in, in Genesis. God breathed into into the dead bone, uh, yeah. to dead thing became a living being, but in Ezekiel time, God withheld Himself. Ezekiel was the one. Yeah. Now, yeah, the church, us, man. That's, I, wish, yeah. I wish, I wish, I had that <laughs> in the sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait,
1: it's still going. it's oh, still going. <laughs> oh.
0: it's powerful. Oh my goodness, that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. One more time, huh? one more time? Yes, sing, yes. <laughs> Thank you Jesus. Thank you. Ooh, mm-hmm. na pata cala, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Come along, come on. yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. scene of Ezekiel 37. Mm. Yeah. It's a hopeless scene. Mm. Dry bones means it was the picture of a, a, a war that, that happened but our people being killed. In other words it happened a long time ago. So a dry bone, that's yeah. nothing. Yes it's just it's nothing. Yeah, it's dry. Why? Like,
1: There's no people hope. have been
0: dead for a long time. Yeah. yeah. But God told Ezekiel to prophesy, they became a mighty army. Yeah.
1: yeah. But what's amazing is he asked him, "Can these bones live?"
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a provocative
1: question. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ezekiel yeah. left it up to him They've and been said, in it "For so long, Lord yeah, yeah. do they even have? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Can these
0: bones live?" Can these the Lord, you know.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Then he swearing. said, "Prophet." He threw to, to God. You know, God said, "No, no, you prophet." Yes. <laughs> it's like he kept throwing you at God. God. God said, "No, you do."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because it's in that part of towards the later part of Ezekiel goes when the promise of God will give a new heart, new, you know? Because it's all in the era, they're the scene of the era of the new covenant, you see? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Jesus. And that's why the angel said to John, eat the book and prophesy. Yeah. The same commission hit the scroll and prophesy.